Kia ora koutou, no mai hare mai. Welcome to the season two finale of Phil and his Capsicum, a poetry podcast. My name is Phil, two times long-listed short story writer. I say that very tongue-in-cheek, but I'm pretty proud of being long-listed twice. Um, welcome to the last episode of the season. Words are funny, words are weird. And after this, I'll be having a little break. I've got a few paper-based projects to finish, so keep an eye out for those on Instagram or in my Etsy shop, and then I'll be back for season three. Um, zine or zine? I think people say zine, don't they? But fittingly for this season, a bit of a chat about this, I guess. Uh, magazine, so surely it would be zine. So I don't know where zine came from. Feel free to chip in if you know, if you have any answers to that or any of the other big questions in life. Um, in other news, I've ditched the whole pre-recorded element and I'm doing episode six as a celebration of this season. I'm doing it all straight off the bat and I'm even using the brand new microphone and fancy kit that my friend Gerard has lent me. Thank you, Gerard. I was going to save it to season three and then thought, hey, why wait? Why wait until season three? Let's bust it out now. Maybe we'll hook some people in and make sure they come back for season three. So here we go. Um, I'm going to see how it goes time-wise. If it gets a bit long, I might even chuck out a bonus episode next week with some of the shorter poems. But if I manage it, I might just squeeze them on the end here. So let's just play that by ear and get into it, shall we? Here we go. This first poem is called Empty. It's another naming agent poem. I really like these naming agents. Um, do you have a favourite naming agent? I've got some ideas about my favourites, but I don't want to influence your decisions sharing those. So feel free to email me or message me who your favourite naming agent is. This one came to me while I was washing my hands. So here's Empty. The bag was empty. They'd run out of words. Let's start using some of the old ones again. No one will notice, said naming agent three. Okay, what about a unit of soap? Asked naming agent one. Cloth? Suggested naming agent two. Nah, that could get confusing. We need something absolutely separate from the cleaning process, said naming agent one. Bar, said naming agent three. Bar, that will work. No one's going to confuse that with the pub surface, said naming agent two. True, your elbows are only getting cleaner with one of those things, agreed naming agent one. What about bars of gold, said naming agent two. You think people are going to stash vast amounts of soap in bank vaults or try and use it as currency, questioned naming agent three. Fair point, said naming agent one. Moving on, last one. We need another word for when you have a rough guess. Hmm, something totally separated from other guessing activities, clarified naming agent two. Take a decapitate at it, suggested naming agent three. <sighs> Bit strong, isn't it? protested naming agent two. Okay, okay. Take a stab at it, said naming agent two. Done, said naming agent one, bringing his special stamp down on the page, branding it with the word complete. Then they all stamped home. This poem is called Hand Wash. It's, I suppose it's a story about something you see day in, day out, 
for at least many days and don't really give it much thought until at some point you're staring blankly at the thing, contemplating life's big questions, and it suddenly dawns on you how bizarre it is. Maybe it's a story about that. Maybe it's just a story about a washing machine. Here's hand wash. Oswald couldn't understand it. He checked for the seventh time. Yes, there was definitely a hand wash setting on his washing machine. An hour later, he emerged from the drum, dripping suds. He had a sore back for weeks and he'd swallowed a lot of laundry detergent. This poem is called Word Search. It's quite a short one. The most noticeable feature, I suppose, is that it's got a footnote. And I love a good footnote, but I've been avoiding them on the podcast because I don't really know how to do them. But I feel like I've left it long enough. Here's my first podcast-based footnote. I'm going to say footnote when it's time for the footnote to go in, because obviously you can't see the little asterisks. And I'm going to tell you what the footnote is now. It is, he was in Canada. Hey, you could even join in when I say footnote. You could even say, he was in Canada out loud. That might be fun. Um, yeah, here's word search. It was a volatile conversation. Hopper Jepsen really had to search for the right words. Luckily, he found them down the side of the couch. He bellowed them with a huge grin and was heard all the way in Pakistan. Footnote. He also found several coins, a cashew nut, and his library card. So, time for some correspondence. Maybe, maybe I'll call it the fan section. Maybe just correspondence for now. Um, thank you so much everyone who left me a message or got in touch about a favourite poem or sent a poem of their own. It was really fun, I really appreciate that, so thanks a lot. Um, shout out to Rowan who gave me an almost weekly update on where he was listening to the podcast. My favourites were the bike machine in the garden, I hope your calf muscle is better now by the way Rowan, and also the drive to Sainsbury's. Um, I also enjoyed the follow-up talk through your bread selection and finding the right baby formula in Sainsbury's, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, there, there are other UK-based supermarkets, by the way. I'm in no way in a paid partnership with Sainsbury's. Um, and Rowan did also share in terms of words that are hard to type or that you always type wrong. Rowan works for a football club in England and they have a player whose first name is Dwayne and apparently he always types it as Dwance. So that was fun. Thanks for sharing that, Rowan. Thank you as well, my friend Richard, Again, back in the UK, he was listening to season one, Voices of Items That Have No Voices, and that got Richard pondering about what's the most inanimate object, which led him to thinking maybe it's the most unreactive element, and mentioned helium. And then he kind of got quite deep, good on you, Richard, saying, you know, everything's connected, so even an atom of helium is connected to everything, and, you know, to a mountain, we're just a mayfly. That got me thinking, and I wrote a little poem connecting helium and mountains. So here's helium. An atom of helium 
bounced off another human face. The human didn't even acknowledge it. The atom decided to drift over to the mountain range. Mountains loved a helium atom. They'd ignore the pesky humans clambering up their craggy flanks and chat giddily about the noble and inert beauty. And last week I mentioned Lee, who'd written me a plethora of poems, so I thought I'd share another one of Lee's responses. This one is to the Stone in Shoe poem, um, and she's entitled it Stony Question. She's also used a word in here, it's not even a swear word, it's a four-letter word. It begins with D and it rhymes with tick, but for some reason I feel like my podcast has been squeaky clean so far, so I'm going to do a beep, but you all know what the word is, feel free to put it in. Um, so here's Lee's response called Stony Question. question was raised, how far would you walk with a stone in your shoe? To which there is no easy answer, only a series of variables to consider. 1. How painful is the stone? 2. Where is it lodged? Can it work its way out, or God forbid, in? 3. Can a well-timed flick-kick-step dislodge it and solve this whole dilemma? Number 4. Will I trip in mid-flick-kick-step and make a beep of myself? Number five, how hardy are my walking companions? Will they think me a total snowflake if I stop, hang back and shout, no, you go on, I've just got a stone in my shoe. Number six, if I do stop, will I need to sit down to perform the extraction? Can I spot a suitable seat at correct shoe adjustment height? Number seven, how well tied are my shoelaces? Did I rush a quick single bow this morning or is it a thorough double knot tangle? Number eight, are my fingers cold or gloved? Will they be dexterous enough on those laces or fumbly and slow? Number nine, if I do stop and sit on a suitably placed perch and with reliable digital precision unlace my footwear and part my sweaty sock from its compromised home, will I even be able to find the stone? Or will I shake my boot, peer inside, rub my stocking sole vigorously, flick at my rumpled ankle fabric then reinsert only to find the discomfort remains. Will it be a phantom stone? Number 10. On the bright side, once sitting, pack off on a comfy mossy rock in the shade, a gentle breeze cooling my sweaty back, I can get my hands on that last half chocolate biscuit I've been saving, and the apple, crisp hopefully, that will be more refreshing than the tepid remains sloshing in my water bottle, tucked into the outside pack pocket. Handy, but sun heated by now. So, on balance, I'd walk just far enough to find a good place to stop for a snack. <coughs> Namihi Nui, thank you so much for listening to this episode and maybe the whole season, maybe all the episodes. Um, if you haven't listened to all the other ones, hey, I can't make you, but feel free to go back and listen to the others that are all available. Um, like I said, it is the last episode of the season. Maybe in the designated time you would be listening to a new episode. Maybe you could spend that time spreading the word and telling your friends and family about the podcast. Thank you so much uh, one last time to my awesome friends Dave and Tom. Dave for the intro music and stings. Tom for the cover art. 
I could not be more happy with them, but I am going to have new ones for season three. So if you want to get involved and provide those, then feel free to get in touch and stay tuned because, as I said at the start, there may be some bonus poems coming soon. So, Namhi Nui again, thank you so much, and I will see you for season three. Kakite! It's bonus content time. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. The poems I'm about to share are all quite short. They are all actually ones... I was looking for a specific poem. I was going back through my post-it note poems that I did during the various lockdowns and found quite a few that are relevant to words are funny, words are weird. So I'm going to share them now. I won't go into a big spiel about them, except for the first one. And I feel like this is a story that needs to be told. It's the most amazing piece of dialogue I've ever heard and it stunned me and I was truly amazed by it. Yet everyone everyone else who was there who witnessed it and everyone I've told the story to since humours me and giggles a bit or gives a little smile but I still don't think they fully appreciate it and I think it, it just touched me in a way that it will never touch another human again and I'm not, the poem doesn't do it justice but I just feel like it needs to be out there and recorded somewhere in history. So apologies to this bit of dialogue that I guess my podcast is probably as far as it's going to go in terms of being recorded in history, but better than nothing, hopefully. So here we go with that poem and then a couple of other post-it note sized poems. Thanks again for staying tuned to the end. Hot chocolate. Not too hot. Extra chocolate, the lady demanded. The perplexed cafe employee looked on as she gulped her tepid beverage, gazing smugly at her recently purchased kitchen roll. Janine gulped twice and stared straight ahead. She'd presumed her boss had meant metaphorical hurdles. She wished she'd worn her running shoes. I'll cut you to shreds, yelled Elizabeth as she sharpened her machete. Luckily, She was talking to some paper and only used the blade to make confetti. She paused mid-sentence. The words were on the tip of Alice's tongue. In hindsight, the tattoo was a mistake. Even with the protruding muscle fully extended, she couldn't see a single character. Samuel was a sucker for a good idiom. But he was now doubting this one. Sure, his pen was mighty, but the four-foot sword protruding from his abdomen sure did sting. Upside down is an odd and inefficient phrase. You're essentially saying, yeah, you know the way up this thing usually is. Well, it's the opposite of that. And who decided on upside down? Was there a group lobbying for downside up? The collective noun naming think tank was getting heated. Magnus could hear the shouts from the front desk. Well, if you're having a smack of jellyfish, I'm having a light bulb of marmots. Now you're just being stupid. Shut up, or I'll group of crows you. <laughs>